Well, good evening. Hope you understand uh, my dialect once more. I'm a Glaswegian and a lot of Glaswegian terms will come out. But anyway, this piece of scripture, uh, it kind of speaks to my heart a bit because uh, before I was a Christian, I used to mess up quite a lot and I used to get in a lot of trouble uh, with the police and uh, gangs and stuff like that, football. And I had a lot of reconciliations to make in my own life, so this kind of speaks to me. And a wee bit of my testimony might come out. And so, anyway, the, it's the introduction tonight is phasing your Esau's. Because we've all got an Esau, or added before I was a Christian to face. We're always uh, problems and you always have to make up with someone. But anyway, reconciliation is a much needed message within our society today because there's loads of people who have been offended and hurt. When we offend people, we should go to them and apologise and be reconciled to them. But the problem is, few ever do. A few people ever seek true reconciliation. Now, uh, when I was kind of teenager, I remember in the early, early, late 60s, early 70s, the Beatles split up and uh, that was a, a kind of sad thing for the, the pop world because uh, they kind of some differences and they, they all went their own way, became solo artists and wings and all these kind of groups all kind of formed and people were always talking about when will the Beatles get back together and people were offering uh, loads of money for the Beatles if they just get back together. And it, so it was, uh, they never really reconciled their differences. Uh, 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 later on, we know the, the Oasis, uh, uh, Noel Gallagher and his brother Liam had a big split up, one of the biggest bands in the world, and they split up, and uh, the differences, and as far as I know today, there's no reconciliation. And uh, the Everly Brothers, uh, for the older ones here, remember the Everly Brothers, uh, they were the same, they were a, a great duo, lovely songs they brought out, and they, their differences, and for many years they split, and eventually they get back together, they have a, re, uh, a, a, a reunion, and uh, okay, the Everly Brothers were a wee bit different, they get back together, but there's stories you read time and time again, and in newspapers about a husband and wife, or two brothers, how they fell out, and now 20, 30 years down the road, that they don't speak. See, it's because it's a selfish world that we live in. And selfishness is when someone or the, someone wants a person to come to us, to be reconciled to us. And that's what kind of the world is today. If two people are wrong, they're always waiting for somebody else to come back to reconcile uh, 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 the relationship. In discussing reconciliation, we need to know that offending people is a common occurrence today. Uh, whether we do it uh, ignorantly or whatever. But nevertheless, when we discover that we have offended someone, we need to go to them and apologise. And it's often to those that we, we love the most that we need to apologise and we can uh, reconcile. But in addition to these, there are some people who definitely or deliberately offend and harm others. They actually set out to bring division. They bring hate, uh, backbite, they even they mistreat other people. 
And this kind of behaviour always offends people. People are always offended with these kind of people. It hurts, it harms. And many times with these people, it's hard to bring reconciliation together. And many families are, are just like that today. Uh, many families are split, split because there's always somebody in the family. And I know uh, a, a certain families, myself, like this is happening, there's always somebody bringing a lot of problems and hassle. Uh, but as Christians, you know, we ought to try and strive to bring reconciliation. Ephesians 4.32 and says, And be ye kind one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now if this was done in the world, the world would be a far better place to live in. There wouldn't be uh, police sirens going around in Coke Bridge this evening uh, due to the football and all these other religious uh, uh, differences. If we would conf- uh, forgive one another and strive to bring uh, 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 reconciliation, the world would be a far better place. Uh, much of the strife, lawlessness, divisions and war upon earth would be eliminated and man could live at peace. And this is what the message about this evening is. It's about reconciliation. At Bethel, and uh, uh, the chapter uh, uh, beforehand, uh, Jacob saw a ladder going up and down to heaven that Ivor preached a couple of weeks ago. Genesis 28:13 and says, Behold, the Lord stood above it and says, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest to thee will I give it unto thy seed. Now here's God giving Jacob a promise that, uh, that he's going to re-enter into the promised land. That God was that blessing to Abraham and Isaac now is going to be pre- uh, passed down to, to Jacob. And here it was, it was a promise from God. But there was something hindering Jacob. There's something bothering and something on his mind. And there's something that he had to rectify. Because before he went into the promised land, he knew that he'd have to face his Esau. Because where he was, he was living. And uh, uh, he had to pass through uh, the, the land where Esau was living to get back to the promised land. So he knew for God to fulfill the promise in his life that he must face as Esau. Job, Jacob had to learn that God does not condemn sin in the sinner and condone it in the saint. So he had to do something. He had to get back into that promised land. And let's uh, look at the scene. I've got four points. Why uh, reconcile? the preparation to reconciliation, the joy in reconciliation, and the danger in reconciliation. See, Jacob, first of all, why reconcile? Well, Jacob is going to journey back to to Canaan. It says in chapter 32, verse 2 and 3, that Jacob is journeying back to Canaan. In Genesis 27, it says, remember Jacob, had done terrible wrong against his brother. So we know from Ivor's preaching a couple of weeks ago that he'd stolen fortune from uh, Esau. He'd taken uh, the birthright. He's taken the blessing, which includes the family inheritance. He's now due, uh, uh, he's stolen the double portion. 
that should have went to, to Esau. He's tricked, he's schemed, and we see uh, uh, he's deceived, and the result of that has been ca uh, catastrophic. Sorry, my writing's not very good here this evening. Esau had become bitter and vengeful, despising his brother. He was set and killing him. And this was the reason that Jacob had fled to Haran and spent the last 20 years with Laban. He'd been forced to flee for his life, to flee from Esau. Now, if we go back to these scriptures there, we remember his mother uh, was going to tell him, you know, if uh, Esau has relented, Esau is going to forgive you, that she would come and tell him. But we can see all through the scriptures that his mother has never come to tell him it's okay to go back. It's okay to go back to the land, go back to your father's house, because that word has never come. In other words, Esau is still looking for vengeance. Just imagine that, that you couldn't go home to the place that you loved. He's isolated from his father. He's isolated from his childhood memories, his play areas, the boyhood memories. How horribly alienated he is. Now I can speak like that too because I was alienated from my family as growing as up as a teenager. You know, your mum and dad were always trying to tell you that right and I was a wee kind of rebel at the time and I rebelled against a, a authority in my house and uh, I had to leave the house. And uh, I think it was about 20. But I, I was away and I was living in other people's houses and shifting from house and scheme to house and scheme. And I always can remember uh, trying to go back to see my old friends in Rokhese where I stayed in Rokhese and my best friend stayed underneath me where I stayed in Rokhese so I was dodging you know going at night and hiding behind trees and bushes and because you didn't want the encounter with, with, with your father so it was and it was a terrible time I, I think in my life because all my childhood memories were growing up in Rokhese and now I couldn't visit except in secret how horrible it was and as far as Jacob knew Esau is still out to seek vengeance and he's still determined to kill him Jacob could not go back to Haran for he'd made a treaty uh, with his uncle Laban that prohibiting from really from, from, from returning to Haran the Bible says in Genesis 32 verse 9 and Jacob said O God, my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says unto me, Return unto thy country and unto thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. See, God had instructed Jacob to go back to the promised land. He could not bless Jacob with spiritual blessings until he faced his trespasses and put things right with Esau. See, I went to Alcoholics Anonymous for a couple of years. I had a problem with alcohol and I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. And yeah, it worked for me. It was, and Alcoholics Anonymous is 12 steps of recovery. And I also remember step eight and step nine says that you were to make a list of all persons that we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine says... Make di made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
So in other words, alcoholics and anonymous were saying, if you want to follow the programme, if you want to re remain sober, you need to follow the recommendations. And this is the same with uh, Jacob. The recommendation was to get back into the promised land, to get back into uh, Canaan. And Jacob has no choice. He could not turn back. He had to go forward. Jacob had to face Esau. And as our scripture tells us, that uh, Jacob was very fearful. How can he be reconciled to e Esau? What could he do to get Esau to forgive him? No doubt Jacob was desperate. In fact, scripture that we read, that's what we see as a desperation. There's fear. Uh, Jacob is fear. He's very afraid. He is desperate. But the good thing that Jacob had in his part that God was with him. And so it is in situations with us this evening as Christians. No matter how hard the situation seems, that God is with us this evening. In desperate situation, God showed Jacob that he was well protected. How? Because God opened up his eyes so he could see an army of angels. And uh, I were preaching this uh, last week, that God has sent an army of angels to look after Jacob while he was journeying. And Jacob was enabled to see the great protection that God had for him. See, the first point in preparation to reconciliation was humility and meekness. And we see this uh, with Jacob here. We see Jacob sending an advance message to the offended party. And note what Jacob did. Jacob confronted the problem head on. Genesis 32 and verse 33, uh, 32 and verse 3. He wanted Esau to know that he desired peace. He sent a message ahead to, uh, to Esau. Esau. He wants a family reconciled. So he sends a, sends a message to Esau. Note that Jacob gave sincere honour to Esau. He referred to Esau as his master and to himself as a servant, Esau. He acknowledges the superiority of his older brother. And I think so many times when you want to reconcile to somebody else, you know, we really can't lord over them. Uh, we need to give them the right place. And this is what Jacob is doing. Jacob has made a humble request that he might favour favour in Esau's eyes. This meant that he wanted to be reconciled to Esau and that he was requesting permission of Esau to enter the land. He's looking for favour to enter Esau's space. Look at the fear and reconciliation. We see that in our text that Jacob was confronting his fear and apprehensions. See, when we really think about it, Esau has no idea that Jacob's had an encounter with God. Esau still remembers uh, Jacob the way he is 
I don't schema scanning. Esau doesn't know how many men Jacob has with him. As far as Esau's concerned, it could be a trap. Therefore, Esau has immobilized 400 men and began to march out to meet Jacob. And when Jacob sees the 400 men, <laughs> you can imagine how, how more fearful he is then. Obviously thinking that his attempt at reconciliation has failed. Apparently, Esau still out to get even by killing him. So what could Jacob do? See, many times when we try to seek reconciliation, sometimes the worst happens. The unexpected happened. Just like uh, the, uh, Esau and Jacob here. Maybe the person is unwilling to be recon reconciled. Or he wants nothing else to do with us. Claims to be hurt, angry, bitter to make peace. And many times like that, there's really no much that we can do about the situation if people don't want to be reconciled. But we must remember that God is present and he's promised to help you and I if we take that step. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou, fear thou now, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am the God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help ye. Yea, I will uphold ye with the right hand of my righteousness. We need to remember that God is with us. Yeah, many times that people won't won't accept the reconciliation. But if we try your part, then we can stand before God and say, yeah, I gave it a try. Jacob's next step is prayer. And it's funny how we try everything else before we try the obvious, isn't it? And even as Christians, uh, so many times that, uh, to be honest, I'm maybe just talking to myself here, but uh, you're in trouble, you try to work things out yourself. And many times that the last thing we do is the first thing that we should do. And this is what Jacob here, I think he finally gets it. And he says his step is seen as in Jacob praying and seeking the Lord's deliverance. In Jacob's mind, he's facing a desperate and hopeless, hopeless situation. He had no hope other than to cast himself upon God. And this he did because only God could help him. In Genesis 32 verse 9 says, Jacob acknowledges God as the God of his father, Abraham and Isaac. And by doing this, he was addressing God as the true God of heaven and earth, the God of all creation and power. He also addresses God as the Lord Jehovah, who has called him to return to the promised land and to his relatives, and who had promised to be with him. So it was only God came the, 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 uh, the revelation that only God could help him in this difficult situation. Jacob confessed his own unworthiness. He was not worthy of God's faithfulness. Yes, none of us really are. But God helped him in the time. So what is your hope when an offended person threatens us? 
I refuse us to make peace with us. Jacob shows us our hope is in prayer. Crying out to God for deliverance. Crying out to God for help. And this should be the practice of Christians to go immediately to God and know their necessities and dangers since he will surely help them as he did with Jacob. Jameson's Fawcett Brown commentary says in this scripture, Jacob says, O God of my father Abraham, in this great emergency he had recourse to prayer. This is this is his saying, this is the first recorded example of prayer in the Bible. But I know there is other examples that people cried out to God and speaking to God. He said, It is short, earnest, and bearing directly on the occasion. The appeal is made to God as standing in a covenant relation to his family. Just as, just as we ought to put our hopes of acceptance of God in Christ, it pleads a special promise made to him of a safe return. And after a most humble and affecting confession of unworthiness, it breathes an earnest desire for deliverance from the impending danger. It was a prayer of a kind husband, an affectionate father, a firm believer in the promise. See, what about the problem? Prayer is the first answer to solving the problem. And prayer is the first thing that we should do. Even when, uh, I don't know, a Christian husband and his wives have their own wee disputes and stuff, you know, the places to go to God in prayer. And, and sadly, many times, I fall short in that. You know, you try to work it out yourself. But anyway, Jacob shows us here this evening. See, we need reconciliation once more. And this is a picture of Jacob in this passage. He was facing a crisis. Things were hopeless. He was desperate. He was in agony, praying to God. He was gripped by a, spear, a, a spirit of fear and distress. It was unbearable. And there was only one who could help him. So he went to the Lord and prayed. And he prayed and he prayed. He struggled in prayer. He was weak and crying, sobbing wrestling with God, agonizing and refused to quit until God did help him. See what a lesson it is for you and I this evening. How many desperate needs would be met and clearly met and questionably met if we just learn prevailing prayer. Let's look at the good will reconciliation. We see Jacob here sending seven gifts, gifts of goodwill. And by doing this, Jacob would be clearly shown that his intentions were peaceful. The gifts of goodwill was 580 animals, including goats, sheep, camels, cows, and donkeys. And uh, Jacob presented the gifts to Esau in Genesis 32, verse 16. Jacob instructs his workers to address Esau as Lord when he presented the animals and to tell Esau that they were a gift from his servant. By saying this, Jacob was acknowledging that Esau was the offended party who had to do the forgiving and accept the offering of reconciliation. Well, I've tried that a few times. <laughs> Try to give your wife gifts and you know and, and reconciliation. It doesn't try to get her to be the guilty one, but you know it, it doesn't work that way. And you learn an awful lot the older you are married together. 
But Jacob here had done wrong and he wanted to make peace and re reconciled and he was doing all that he could to let his brother know his heart. He wanted his brother to receive him in peace and reconciliation. See, we must also do the same, do everything we can to be reconciled with an offended person. Matthew 5, 23 and 25, the word of God says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remembrance that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, for thou dost art in the way of him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. And that's a, a scripture for Christians. I also remember at another church I was at, and uh, it was a time for the Lord's Supper. And uh, the minister called out anybody's got ought against their brother to go and get it, things right. And I was like, my goodness, what a thing to say. And you know, a lot of people did. And they got things right with their brother in the church. And what joy there was, and what a feeling that there was in the church after that. Let's look at the, secondly, the day of reconciliation. Chapter verse 33 to 1 to 12 tells us that there's a glorious day of reconciliation. It had arrived. The meeting between Jacob and Esau is a classic example of reconciliation. He was now ready to meet his brother face to face. To the onlooker, no, okay, we know the scripture, we know what's happening, but to Ron Wicker, how is the story going to work out? Is there any chance of this reconciliation ever going to happen? Especially after what Jacob has done to his brother. Jacob was still unsure. You see, my scripture tells us that Jacob walks out ahead of his family to meet his brother in a spirit of humility, showing respect and courtesy to his brother. He walked towards Esau, stopping seven different times to bow. And bowing seven times was an act of respect shown to kings in that day. So here we are, Jacob is showing respect to his brother. The time has come, they're face to face. And what happens now is nothing short of a miracle. When you think everything that's happened, it's nothing short of a miracle. Esau ran to meet Jacob and kissed him. Isn't that wonderful? That was Esau that ran towards his brother. It wasn't Jacob who had wronged his brother, who's running towards Esau. It's the other way around about. It's Esau is running towards his brother and kissed him. They broke into tears. They were weeping. They were unable to exchange words. See what had happened? What had happened here? Something miraculous has happened here. What has changed Esau's heart? Well, we don't know because the scripture doesn't tell us. But there's one thing for sure that God got involved. God got involved 
in that situation. God has heard the prayers, no doubt. God has worked a miracle here. Prayers work, people. Prayers do work. When it's an earnest prayer, crying out to God, prayers work. It's always that God has got involved. He's worked in Esau's heart. He's worked in Jacob's heart. And no matter what happened, the change had taken place. A miracle. And here were the two brothers in each other's arms, full of affection for each other. They were reconciled and weeping so joyfully that they could not even speak to one another. The day of reconciliation had gloriously come. Jacob was welcomed back to his brother. We all love moments like this, don't we? That's what makes good films. Isn't it? That's what makes good films. We all love this reconciliation, hopeless cases, people get together. That's why the prodigal son in the scriptures is so wildly known or well known with children. That story of the prodigal son. There was a reconciliation. Everybody knows this story. We all love moments like that. Lassie come home. Remember that film? Reconciled to the wee boy. Tears streaming down your eyes when you're a wee boy watching Lassie coming home. What joy. Welcome. Welcome home. That'd make a good gospel message, wouldn't it? The reconciliation. Romans 5 8 says, God commended his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That's the good news of the gospel. That's a good story. That's a good truth. For Christians here tonight, or if you're unsaved, you don't know Jesus, that you're an enemy to God this evening, but you can be reconciled through Jesus Christ, his son, who died on the cross for us to reconcile us back to God. See, God is a holy God, and we are the ones to blame. We are the ones that need to be reconciled back God. Our sin alienated us from him. Romans 5.10 says that we were the enemies. When we were the enemies the work was still taken or undertaken while we were still enemies. The Bible says while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. And from being enemies we were changed to friends by that work commenced by God. We are brought to an agreement, a state of friendship and union. We become his friends. John 5, 15, 15 says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servants know not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have men made known unto you. That means there were obstacles to a reconciliation. 
and these have been removed by the death of Christ Jesus. This has been done by the removal of the obstacles on the part of God. God did the work for us. So that the Christians, in fact, were reconciled to God. That we are the friends of God this evening. If you're a Christian, if not, you're an enemy of God. And that's what the scriptures tell us. And you need to be reconciled back to God. Accept Jesus into your heart. Ask him to forgive you your sins and come into your heart. What a glorious party there is in heaven. What joy there is between Jacob and Esau. But how much more in heaven there is over one sinner who repents. The Bible tells us all heaven rejoices when one sinner repents from the sin and comes to Jesus. Let's look at the danger in reconciliation very quickly this evening, my friends. All the sharing is over. They met together. Things have got Jacob and Esau, best of buddies now. You know, they've been reconciled. And it was time for to move on. In Genesis 33, 12-14, Esau suggesting to Jacob, let's travel together. Let's go together. Let's go on this journey. And let my 400 men accompany you. Let us accompany you back into Canaan. But Jacob declined the offer. The excuse that Jacob made was my sheep and lambs have just been newly born. And you can't keep up with your men and their horses. Or my little children are small. But they can't keep up with you. See, the problem is, it would have been practical for the two of them to try travelling together. But there's another side to that this evening. See, the brothers were so different now. So different in spirit. One is a man of the world. And the other, Jacob, is now a man of God. He's a changed man now. Jacob has changed. He's met God. God's changed him. He's walking my lamp now. Changed his name. He's changed him. He's a different man. He's not perfect, because we'll see later on uh, next week. He's still not perfect. Everything's still not perfect, but he's changed. He's different. And the difference between Jacob and Esau, Esau was more open. In our text, he's more honest. He's more outgoing. Where Jacob's a schemer, he's still got his faults. And what a fine man the scripture eh, portraits Esau in my text this evening. He comes out in my text as a good guy, an open, forgiving man. But he's lost spiritually. He's dead spiritually. Esau never mentions God in my text at all. And the idea is that God dwells with his people. They ought to be separate from a sinful and polluted world. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? 
and walked in court as Christ with Belial? Of what part has he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God. And he shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from amongst them. And be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father to you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. See, what to be perennially, they were not to be influenced. Jacob used tact, and so should we.